0: Me for the reading of God's word today. Before we begin, this is the extended time of Christmas. We know that Christmas doesn't end, it actually kind of begins on December twenty-fifth, and we have the twelve days, it ends in epiphany. Oh so Penny, you can keep your tree up longer. If anybody saw that post, it's okay. It's okay. There's a reason we have this up. Our celebration continues. We see that the gift's coming with those Magi. Now, all that to say, we're not preaching about that this morning, but it's a good reminder for us in our calendar of why we extend, why we have a great story that needs to be told. It needs to be known. It needs to become a part of our lives. That Emmanuel came, but he continues to come. He continues to show us his love, his grace. In his mercy, he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Would you turn with me this morning to where we will be reading out of in John chapter 13. If you turn again to John chapter 13, I'll be reading out of the New International Version. I invite you to follow along in whatever you have in front of us. We will start at verse 1. A powerful moment in Scripture. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for your living word, Jesus Christ, in our life, given for us, for a purpose, Out of love. And so we give you gratitude and thankfulness for all that you are, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. And it is in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Again, this is the new year. This is the first day we get to come and we get to celebrate, and it is about, and it reminds us of new birth that we can embrace all that we are in the new creation that we have a king that renews us day by day in his spirit now this passage is not a traditional christmas passage it lends lends itself a little bit more towards easter but it's just i could not get it off my mind and those that are part of our men's group, this really kind of has become a, a powerful scripture and reminder for us. That, as we say, one of those stones that has been placed. We had a, a wonderful message that was brought to us by David one morning that he surprised us with a, a foot washing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a foot washing ceremony, but it is truly a powerful thing. And it is a, something that we normally and try to allow ourselves to model after God. That is a good thing, right? That we allow ourselves to try to act in a way that Jesus acts, but not just to do the actions, but to actually take upon the heart of Christ on us when we do it. That it becomes formational in our lives when we do the things of Christ. When we remember the things of Christ. Christianity has a lot of remembrances. We have a table before us. We take communion. We celebrate the feast. We do these things for a purpose that we may come to know Him better. Come to know his model for our lives better. That is through these things that our hearts, I believe, are truly changed more and more into the Christ likeness that we have been called into. When we get to chapter 13 of the the gospel of John, uh we know that this is coming close and John doesn't do the exact same things that the other gospels do. He doesn't he doesn't really concentrate and focus on the upper room scene, but this is in the upper room. And this is the context that we have here is pretty powerful because this comes right after they have been arguing. We see in Luke's gospel that they have been arguing about who would be the greatest again. We've preached, we've heard those messages. And it gets to the the heart of, or do we have a heart of the world? Do we have a heart that is about us? Or do we have a heart like Christ that has been changed, that our attitudes have been changed? And today, as we go through this, that is the, the focus that we have. And, and New Year's resolutions are good. Uh, I would not discourage those at all. And I think if you're going to do them, writing them down is a fantastic way that we need to have sometimes just a starting point, something that moves our heart and our feet in the right direction. But today, can we also focus that we need a newness in our attitudes. Our attitudes sometimes are more formational in our actions than anything else. So would you have a mind and a heart that is open to to the Spirit's leading of what He would challenge you in the way of your attitude this year? Would you allow it to become new in His mercies this year? If we're going to read through, we're going to do this whole passage together. We're not going to break it up as we do sometimes, but I, I want us to read it together. Not actually, we're reading at the same time. You don't have to follow along. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him. See, he'd been telling them all along, it's not the right hour, it's not the time. And now he's saying, it's the time. The hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. And he loved them to the end. There's uh, the the previous NIV version actually has a little bit different translation. It says, to show them the full extent of his love. Wow. To show him the full extent of his love. He loved them to the end. Now that was the end of that time, but we know that it goes and extends upon to the end which there is no end, that his love is infinite as well as eternal with us. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, as we know, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Now I don't want us to miss that, that movement that action, so often that is what we're missing, that's what our resolutions are trying to do, is to put our desires, to put our hearts into action, into movement so he got up from the table he had them come over, he's knelt down in front of them, do you understand what it would meant for them to have the king of all, the one that would come to save them, that would die and rise raise again, that he had they had seen do some wonderful, miraculous things that this is who they were following and he would kneel before them if you need a model in your life of the attitude to have that is the power of this story that is the power of this truth that he not only that it humbled himself at the Christmas time to be born a person to give up his godliness his throne to come to have his godliness and his humanness the God man together as one that he would put on the human nature that we have minus that sin part that he would humble himself not only to give up that throne but he would now kneel before these silly people that would not understand half of what he says sometimes right But he saw the potential. He knew what they were going to be willing to go through, to live up. That he put his heart and his teaching into these, he put his very spirit into these that he knelt before. And I believe God in this passage is asking are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to take upon the spirit of the humbleness of God to celebrate, to show, to model to those out there that might not understand that yet? That we too might see the potential in them to go to the Father, to live as the fatherhood would call them. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Another movement of humility. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him and we've heard this this message before right and we understand that not only is it not uh, is it would it be odd for jesus to do this for them they you've got to understand this was the servant's job we've heard that part right before that this was the servant's job there weren't any servants there but not only was it such a lowly thing that that that, that the servant should be doing they didn't even do it for jesus now, now, if you think that this comes in, this is a normal, customary thing to the, for the wash of the feet because of what they have been walking through, that they, you would think since there were no servants around, if they really recognized that Jesus was the king, that Jesus was the one that they were following, you'd think that they would have already done this for him. But it seems such a lowly thing for them to do that they didn't even cross their mind. It, custom, it would not have been normal for them to do that. This is, this is how low that Jesus was willing to put himself. For them that they may come and understand and come to know Christ better. To come to know God himself better. He came to Simon Peter. Oh, we love Peter. Peter says what we think. <laughs> you know, so many times that, that it's, it, we wouldn't have said it like Peter said it, but we probably would have thought it a lot of times like Peter. So Peter is our voice a lot of times. He comes to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you... Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. I ask us, church, will we understand what he did? Do we understand what he did? Will we allow ourselves to be put in the same position of what he did? Peter responded, no, you shall never wash my feet. Man, Peter just does, he doesn't hesitate at all. No, you're, you're God, I understand, you're, you're, you're the Messiah, you're the one that has come, but no, I won't follow what you're telling me. But we know that we have all been in that same place that Peter has been. That we recognize, that we believe, that we call upon his name, that we put him up here, that we want to follow him. But then when he says to do something, if it doesn't make sense to us, no, we can't do that. Even sometimes with the right heart, we understand that he he knew who Jesus was. No, 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 you can't wash my feet, Jesus, unless I wash you. Jesus answered him, you have no part with me. If you are going to follow, you must follow. If you have a heart for me, you will do what I tell you, what I command you, because you know that my heart is no longer just for me. It is for you. Jesus' heart was for these disciples, so they must come to know, come to understand that what God tells them, even if it doesn't seem appropriate, it is good for them. And it is good because of who he is. Then, Lord, Simon Peter, he throws himself completely the other way. He responds in a new way. He goes, Well, okay, if you're going to wash that, then, then those, uh, Simon Peter re- replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You know, Jesus is laughing at Peter at this point and just got it. Peter, 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 slow down. Peter, p- j- just, just listen to me, Peter. I just want to wash your feet. Those who have had a bath need not wash their feet, or need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. And we're gonna come back to the You are clean, Peter. This there's some salvation things here. They're saying, Peter, you have been washed. You, you now are with me. Your salvation is found in me. It will come about. It will be there for you. You do not have to worry about the rest of it. You don't have to. It is clean. You are clean. And of course, he says, but there's one of you that is not. He's speaking of Judas, for he knew that he was going to betray him. And that was why he had said not everyone was clean, but Peter. And the rest of these, he says, just your feet. You are clean. I believe there might might be someone here today that needs to hear that same thing. No, you may feel like you need Jesus to come and wash your hands, your feet, your hair, the rest of your body, but no, you, if you've come to know him, baptized with him, that you have come. You, church, are clean. He comes to die for our sins once, right? He has taken on us so that we may take on his nature as well. You have been made clean. It doesn't matter. All of those other things, you have been made clean. When he had finished washing, verse 12, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I your Lord and teacher. He makes them understand. I don't want you to miss this. I am your king. I am your Lord. I am your teacher. So if I, you call me teacher. Then would you get in your mind to learn? Would you put your attitude in your mind right. To learn from me now. Now that I Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is about attitude. You see, he has said throughout these other gospels, the time has come, the co- kingdom of God has come near. And he says here, We say often, repent and believe the good news. What must I do to inherit? And so often we hear, you must believe. You must believe that he is the Messiah. You must believe that he died. You must believe that he rose again. You must believe that he brings forgiveness, that he brings freedom from your sin. But you must also repent. And see, repent, that is what I really, the heart of, I believe this message, I hope and pray that I'm reading different something into this that is not there. But we must have a heart of repentance. But so often we have misunderstood, misused this word that we just think of this guilt, just think of this, that we're, we're trying to make amends that that we're trying to repent that god i need forgiveness yes i must repent to receive forgiveness but if god puts a heart of repentance within us it is ongoing it's an attitude you that repent, we've talked about, you've heard, hopefully, if you've, if you've not been sleeping through the messages, you've heard before that the repentance is a change in direction, right? It is a change in heart that no longer am I going to walk in the way that I want to walk, but I'm going to walk towards you, that I'm making a new target, that my goal now is likeness, that my goal is to be and to know what God has for me and who he has called me to be. Do you have a heart for repentance today. I want us to give us an illustration. Those of you that are married, especially maybe that if your marriage has struggled at times, I want you to think, what would your marriage look like with a heart of repentance? Now, every married person may have just heard, what would your marriage look like if your spouse had a heart of repentance? But that's not what I said. What would your marriage look like if you had a heart of repentance? Putting away of being right, putting aside pride, and say, I want one focus in my marriage. I want the end result to be what I'm walking towards, that I want what God wants in our marriage. And a marriage of humility and of servanthood as he has shown in this passage that he has a heart of servanthood, of serving, of putting others first. Even when, that, you know what, if we, if I put God first in my marriage, if I focused on that, if I focused on, you know what, whatever happens in our day, in our marriage that brings me out of alignment with what he has, I'm willing to be redirected that is the heart of repentance. When we come to God and we give our hearts to Him and we truly have an attitude of repentance, that gives us also freedom from guilt. We have a freedom in repentance. That is one of the reasons he gives us. It's not because he needs to hear it. He's already done everything that we need to get the forgiveness from those things, but he wants to release us that when we repent and we change our direction, then no longer am I heading in the wrong direction. I'm heading now in the direction that he has called to me, so my guilt has been given freedom from. I I don't have that. We deal with things such as even the terrible effects of shame in our life. Another sermon, The Difference of Guilt and Shame. You see, repentance, so time, so many times we think about it just as our, our dealing with sin, that, that, that repentance we see as, as sin maintenance, that, that, that when we sin, we have to repent to turn away from that. But I really don't believe that's the heart of God. I really don't believe that that's a heart of repentance. It's not sin maintenance, and it's not salvation maintenance, because we know that our salvation is in Him, that He's been given that. But see, it, it is the maintenance, it's different. It's not turning away from sin. Now, I know you just heard that and said, that doesn't sound right. But repentance is not turning away from sin. Repentance is turning towards God. And there's a difference. It's not the same. If you're sitting there, that sounds like the same thing. It's not the same thing. No, you can turn away from sin and not turn towards God. You can turn from one sin and just turn to another sin. You can make a change of direction, but it is only true repentance when you've been refocused and you're pointing on Him. Scripture says, seek God and all His righteousness. Now, I know that it's a little bit warm, but normally at this time of year, we're really kind of yearning for summer a little bit. And, and, okay, who can remember when they were younger, or maybe last week, or maybe if, maybe if you just really like to be in the pool, who played the game, the silly game? I'm going to use a silly illustration of Marco Polo. Raise your hand. Now, seriously, there's about half of you. Have you half of you never played Marco Polo? Gotten in a pool when it's hot out, and what do you do? What does the person do that's that's in the middle? What do they do? Right, but what have they done even before they say that? They cover their eyes, right? They cover their eyes. If you've never played this, because I guess a couple of people haven't, you get in the pool, it doesn't have to be, but normally it's pool game, and you, you close your eyes, and you yell, Marco, and everybody else says, Hey, that's good. And they say, And then, so you're trying to find them, and then, but guess what? They move directions, right? They don't just stay in the same place. How long would the game last if people just stood there and you said Marco, Polo, and they just stand there? It wouldn't last very long, right? They move. Our repentance, our walk with God is not a game. See, we too often try to stay in our sin and we're calling out, oh, I want God. But he has opened our eyes for a reason. That we may see him. That we may come to know him. Because he does tell us, call out my name. There is power in the name of Jesus. If you call out, I will answer you. But he has opened our eyes for a purpose and a reason. So that we may find him. That we may continually be able to refocus on him. We were blind, but now what? Now we see. We find him when we seek him. That we may change our direction so that we may take a path that is directly towards him. It is a narrow path. But we can enter into it with eyes wide open, with ears wide open, if we have a heart of repentance. Repentance is not a scary word. It's not a bad word. It's not a negative word. It is not turning from sin. It is not these. It is turning toward the God that came and became one of us so that we may have salvation in Him, that we may have freedom in Him. It is a positive word in our lives that we should welcome, that we should have an attitude this new year, an attitude of repentance. Man, if I'm not walking towards God, I want. To change directions. And guess what? The closer I get to Him, the more I love Him. The closer I get to Him, the more I love others. The closer I get to Him, the more I love myself. Because my heart is no longer for myself. It is for Him. It is for others. We have heard, seen the model that he gave in washing those disciples' feet. It's formational for us. See, when we call out that name, there are other voices out there. But if we have a heart of repentance and we listen, we don't get off track. Because we as sheep know the shepherd's voice. That we may follow after him. We've taken the bath. We have been baptized. We have It's not a salvation issue. To me, uh, and I pray again that God correct me, that God uh, takes your ears away if I'm getting this wrong. But in this foot, wash, foot washing, I see a daily repentance, not about salvation, but about relationship with him. That when we come to a point in our walk that we don't just want to be saved, we don't want the bare minimum, that we come, that we have consecrated ourselves, that we have come to a point where He has sanctified us, but we know that His sanctification within our lives will not be made complete until we go to be with Him forever. That He continues and says, keep following, keep following, keep listening, keep having a heart of repentance a heart of confession have a heart for others go and do likewise that i have done go and wash others feet lord that would not expect you to kneel at their feet but if you want to honor the king honor the god that knelt at ours then we must go to others not out of getting into heaven but out of pure and perfect love for him, that he then gives us a perfect love for others that we will have that same attitude. It's not about actions, it's about attitude. But if you have the attitude of Christ, your actions will follow. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We continue to repent. We continue to confess. Matthew tells us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given, will be added unto you, that he has a growth in grace and a maturing in Christ for us. I'm going to put him on the spot. Bob, are you done growing in Christ? He's not done. Merle, are you done? No. 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 He has more. But it all comes down to attitude. Do you want to come to know the full extent of God's love? Are you willing to sit not at his feet, but are you willing to be uncomfortable enough to allow Him to sit at your feet? We don't think about that. We don't think a lot of times in that way. Are you willing to allow the Creator to sit at you, at your feet? We often talk about, we were at the garden with Adam, and right? We were at the cross with the soldier. But are you willing to be at the chair With Peter? Are you willing to have God really show you the fullness of His love for you? Because then, once you come to know and understand true love from that perspective, it's so much easier to then go and be and show that attitude. Let us be more about attitude than resolutions. These form us. The more you do it, the more he will use you. I was going to have us come forward, and certainly always welcome. I'm going to have the musicians come and, and, and lead us in a closing song today. But at least in your mind, feel free to come forward, but at least in your mind, if Jesus were here, and in fact he is, Would you come down to have your feet washed by him? Are you willing to do that so that he may change your heart and your attitude? Are you willing to consecrate yourself to him in a new way to follow his model in the full extent of his love? As he loved you first we may also take upon the love of Christ and have that love of Christ for all of creation those that are difficult and hard to love may we never forget even in this passage he didn't just wash Peter's feet you realize he washed Judas's feet Knowing what was coming. If you are following after God, we must have an attitude to allow Him to wash ours, but us to go out and wash the feet of Judas as well. That's who the church is called to be. That will show the power, the love, the faithfulness of God to this world. That's a message they need to hear and not just hear. Our feet must move. Jesus knelt before them. There's action in that desire. We, the church, can do this. We can show His love. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, that this new year, it not a be, about our actions, but it truly be about our attitude, that we have an attitude of continued repentance. That there's freedom from the guilt. But it's not about turning away from sin. It's about turning towards you. Our righteousness, our holiness, comes from you. we allow you to continue to be our model and then turn to this broken and hurting world and be Christ-like so that they too may come to know your great love, your great grace and your great mercy. It is your wonderful heavenly name we pray. We're so happy that you've chosen to listen to our sermon today on the platform of your choice. We at Corey Community Church the Nazarene continue to honor our calling to be kingdom people. We rely upon the gift of the fellowship and community to equip each other to fulfill our mission of reflecting the love of Christ to all those that God has placed within our lives. We welcome you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m in Cory, Indiana, just south of State Road 46. God bless